This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Everyone's a critic, jointly presented with Chandanan. Hello, you're listening to Everyone's a Critic. I'm Sharmila Ganesan. And for this week's review, I'm joined by Dinesha Kartagesu, who is a poet, a writer and a first timer on the show. So thank you for joining us today, Dinesha. Thank you for having me. So excited to be here. We are very excited for this week's review because we are doing what is in some ways a throwback. We're reviewing Aircon. It's a play by Instant Cafe Theatre that initially debuted back in 2008. Lots of critical acclaim, won many awards, still held up by many as um, a significant Malaysian play. It's written by Shannon Shah. It was directed by Joe Kukatas and Zalfian Fuzi. And why we're talking about it this week is because essentially they're they're sharing an archival recording of that 2009 staging and you can watch it online. That's happening from the 24th of September to the 26th of September. And so we thought this would be a good time to revisit that play and to talk about um, both how it works as a, as a production, but also how it's aged and its relevance to current day. Um, and Dinesha, I'm particularly excited to do this with you because I watched it when it was staged before. But for you, this is a first time experience. Experience. Um, so maybe the best place to start would be, what were your initial impressions? Yeah, so I think, like, similar to your experience, Sharmila, I think I've heard so many friends talk about this play. I think if you're in theatre, if you're in any kind of writing, this play is talked about, right? It's like the play. <laughs> so for me, it's like, I was like, can it meet this high standard? One of the things that really stuck out for me watching this play is, there's a lot of heart in the writing. There's a lot of heart with the casting and with the directing that I just felt like, you know, sometimes with, especially with like so much of shows happening online, there's this temptation to hit pause and go and like check your phone and things like that. And I, I didn't feel that with this play. And I for a two hour, 40 minute uh, yeah. production as well. That's like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> So just to sort of go over what the story is. So it all starts out at, so it's an elite boys school in Kadar, um, And a sex worker, uh, a transgender sex worker is found murdered near the school. Um, and there are lots of buzz and suspicion about the fact that perhaps one of the boys in the school might have done that. Um, and layered with this are questions of uh, relationships between the boys themselves, uh, questions of identity and them discovering who they are, um, learning how to uh, be who they are. And this is also coming against the backdrop of the school itself wanting to do um, essentially what they call a camp for Lilaki Lembut. Um, and, and, you know, all of these are actually things that are based on events and, and incidents that happened around that time when the play was staged, right? Um, the uh, mistreatment and violence against um, transgender sex workers, uh, the Kamilaki the, the Lambot, um, I remember this happening back then. So I think in terms of the story, it's a very powerful one. Um, and it's a very, it's not an easy one. Um, so I thought we could start first by discussing the story or the plot and um, whether whether you thought that uh, today, when we watch it through today's lens, it's it still has something to say or um, still has something new to bring to the table? Mm. I think for me, what really stood out was this idea of the different kinds of masculinity that's on display. I felt like, you know, it was such varied shades. Like it never, it didn't quite ever feel like, oh, I'm putting a stereotype or trope on stage. I'm going to show you... Oh, 
at least from, a, I guess, Shannon, uh, the playwright's intention, it felt like I'm going to show you all these different forms of masculinity that I may have experienced or that I may have seen. And you're going to see all of them. And you're going to somewhat find yourself endearing yourself to them in all of their varied forms. So I think that was something that definitely stood out. And, you know, when you said 2008, 2009, I just realized I was the age of these kids. when the Oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> so I would have been in Form 5 at the time. And to think of watching this play would have been quite, I would say, transformational, actually. So it was transformational for me when I watched it, because that was the first time I had watched um, a play on stage that sort of went there, you know, that sort of dealt with these sorts of issues so um, openly, so uh, eloquently, and with so much heart, as you said. But that heart also makes it sometimes quite a painful experience to watch. Um, but to get back to that question, that uh, what you just said about the different sorts of... Um, masculinity on display that's actually one of my favorite things about about this uh, about the show the fact that it's set in a boys' school and it's set in this um, very Malaysian, you know, you, they're familiar. The, the boys are familiar. The personalities are familiar. The way they speak, the way they move. Um, they're all people that you would have seen, you would have known, um, you might have had in your friend circle. And I think there's something really beautiful and... and um, I don't know, just endearing and memorable about it because I think it helps when people feel so real and, and the situation feels so lived in for you to then identify with that issue rather than looking at it through an overtly political lens. Uh, you start looking at it in a very human lens. And I think that for me is actually the success of this story. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, this especially because the question you'd asked earlier was about plot. It did bring up a question because I remember there was a workshop that Joe Kukatas did. Um, I want to say 2018, 2019. And she was talking about this process of making this play and first works and uh, how Shannon was writing the play. And so no, I can't remember who, um, I can't remember the exact specifics, but I remember her saying that when Shannon came into it, he was going to write about two very specific characters. Now, I'm not sure if it was actually William and Asif or Chap and Burn. And then it swapped. But um, Joe Kay said that uh, the, the facilitators of First Works kind of like pushed Shannon a little to be like, there is more than just these two voices here. And I think that just adds so much. But it also makes me question, who was the original centre of the play? Mm. Like, has that shifted? You know, has and, and even if like Shannon as playwright now looks at it and kind of goes... Maybe in 2021, he thinks the centre is different. So you know? who was the centre for you? I, I kept thinking that for me, the centre was William and Asif. But there was something about Burn and Zahid al-Azim's performance that just kept drawing me back. And I was just like, you know, I want to focus on this, like these two boys who are like clearly going through um, a, tran uh, I hate to use the word transformational again, but an experience for them. But Zahir al-Azim's work as this character, just I just kept being so asking myself the question, Burn, who are you, Burn? Like, who are you as a person? And what are you going through? And I felt like there were so many depth 
there are so many layers to him. That's really interesting because um, for me, unequivocally, uh, the center, even the first time and this time around, has always been Chep and Burn. Um, and and just to say, so Chep and Burn are sort of the the big men on campus, as you know, they are like the the, the senior prefects. Uh, they are also sort of overtly masculine in that fairly stereotypical way. Um, whereas William and Asif are the junior prefects. You know, they're slightly younger um, and. They present quite differently from Bern and Chep do. And so they're both sort of in this circle, but they're also often made fun of, um, and, you know, for the way they are, the way they walk, the way they talk and all of these things. Um, I think the reason Chep and Bern resonated with me so much was because for them that you use the word transformational, and I think that's not an accident, that transformation is a lot it's a huge transformation for both of them from the start of the play to the end. Um, and it's not an easy one by any means. And I think also with them, the struggles are a lot more stark in mm. that divide between uh, who they are and uh, who they need to be and who they're expected to be, you know, these kinds of things. Uh, but for me overall, I, I love all the characters. Every yeah. time any of them are on screen, I, I just felt like these feel so real. Mm. Mm. I think... So I think one of the reasons we be I a bit of like a I want to say um, antagonism against Chep, for example, is probably Muhammad Amirul Effendi's work as an actor. But I think I, I struggle with Chep as a character because not to spoil anything for anyone watching is that there is a lot of violence that surrounds him. Oh, for sure. Right, and I think I struggle with the fact that to me it felt like the play tries to humanize him, like humanize the violence and the. The, the violent behavior and I struggle with that because I just felt like as someone who perhaps has like shared experience with some of these characters or has been bullied I just I just remember sitting there like don't do not humanize my bully to me I do not care they are a bully so yeah so that again I I didn't realize that as much in the first time and I don't know whether it's something to do with watching it on a screen versus watching it on a in a play the violence was difficult for me very difficult for me this time around um you know there were parts where I had to sort of pause and just like look away again you can't pause when you're watching a live play um and just sort of breathe a little bit and and of course Chep is at the center of quite a bit of this but I think the reason um perhaps I that didn't detract from how fascinating I found him was because the show goes to a lot of lengths to to draw that line between toxicity begets toxicity and violence begets violence and how it's this sad circle um and and because of that it's almost it's almost like the plot earns it I'm not saying that that justifies what happens in the play but I think it's a difficult watch um it didn't humanize him for me so much as it it just made me really sad. Um, it made me sad that this often happens. We're talking about Aircon, which is a play by Instant Cafe Theatre that was first staged in 2008. Uh, they are streaming the archival recording from the 24th to the 26th of September. You can buy tickets for that at cloudtheatre.com. Let us know, have you watched Aircon or are you planning to catch it this time around? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. You're listening to Everyone's a Critic, jointly presented with Chintana. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You're listening to Everyone's a Critic, jointly presented with Chintana. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Everyone's a Critic with Sharmila. And today I'm with Dinesha Kartigesu, who is um, joining me to review an online screening of Aircon. It is, of course, a play that, that was first staged in 2008. They're making that available now from the 24th to the 26th of September. And, you know, we've said this before. It's a play that uh, was really acclaimed when it first came out. So I wanted to pick up on this this um, thread of watching something with all of this, um, I don't want to say baggage, but, you know, it does come with these this sort of heavyweight um, expectations in some way, right? Um, and for me, it's a rewatch. And for you, it's a, it's a, it's a first watch. Yeah. For me, it was an interesting thing to rewatch it as a recording, I must say, um, because things do change how you interpret certain things. For instance, many times you don't see the whole set. You get to see close-ups of people's faces. The subtitles sometimes work in a particular way to steer you in a particular direction that they may not necessarily have during the, the play itself. So I was wondering, you know, how all of this fed into the viewing experience for you this time around? Hmm. So I think for me, I definitely noticed the subtitles. Like I feel like um, and it, it definitely made me think of this idea of like translation because there were so many times when um, BM words like beer, cow, aku, they're all gender neutral. Yeah. Right? But then I guess with, with Instant Cafe Theatre and their choices, then the editor has a choice to name, to put a specific pronoun in the subtitles. And then initially I was a bit surprised by some of the pronoun choices. And then, and then you realize, oh wait, they're being very intentional. They're trying to tell you this is the intention of this character and why this character is naming so-and-so a certain way. So to me, I, I appreciated the subtitles. Um, but one thing that really stood out for me, I guess, because I'm not in the theatre watching it and I'm watching on my computer, is I was really aware of the set and the lighting and the, and the sound. I felt like they were very, very strong choices. I just remember looking at the set and thinking, wow, I really like this set. You know, this opening and closing, this moving and how everything has wheels and the light choices and the sound choices. I was just very aware of it. And I wonder if if we were sitting in the theatre, it would just contribute to the atmosphere. Or would oh, it be necessarily something we noticed? Oh, 100%. Um, I think all of that fed into how strong this was. Um, you know, it creates a sense of drama. It creates a sense of, um, you know, something being in constant motion. It's a very dynamic production. And, and I'm really glad that even though this is actually a fairly simple um, recording, it wasn't recorded to be broadcast. Um, it is an archival recording. I'm very glad that that comes through in the in the video. And I think that's a... That's a big deal when you want to sell this to a new audience, right? Who's not necessarily just watching this out of attachment or nostalgia, but to gain a new experience. Um, this for me worked very well as a, as a recorded performance versus some others that I've watched before. Let's talk about the characters, right? We, we mentioned uh, a few of them earlier, uh, but did anyone in particular stand out for you in terms of both the characters um, as well as the performances? Mm. Um, I, I think it's for me, it was the, oh, I was going to immediately say William and Asif, wonderfully played by uh, Nicholas Leo Davis and Ryan Lee Baskerin. Uh, but then I just started thinking of all the characters and then I just kind of went, actually, I like all of them. <laughs> they, they all do such a good job. You know, they make you, they make you really like them. Mm. 
No, yeah. I, I agree. It's it's a tough one for me because um, I think everyone plays such an important part and it's so tightly written. And I think as a cast, um, they've got this great chemistry. Uh, chemistry is a funny word because they are, they are, it's not it's not like relationships between people are always good or comfortable. Um, but I think they work very well together on, on, on stage. And I think that helps a lot. Um, which brings us to, I suppose, the themes of this play, right? Um, these are themes and, and issues and challenges that we still struggle with today. These are issues that I, I would, I would wager, you know, young boys growing up schools, um, this kind of bullying, this kind of discrimination still happens today. Uh, and one of the things that I thought about was whether we would see a play like this stage today, whether that's still possible, whether people would still necessarily be not just able to, but I, I think it's what I struggle with or what I'm wondering about is perhaps the, th the thing that you pointed out earlier, the level of... Um, violence or the level, the, the, the visceral quality of what we watch. Is that something that we would see today, you think? So that's interesting. I would say that I guess as a, I guess as playwright and theatre maker, I, I am questioning if violence needs to be on stage. You know, mm. I genuinely question it because I think something that really came up when I was watching this play was this, you know, this idea of like that is used a lot in writing. It's show, don't tell. And I feel like we've taken the showing, especially when it comes to violence, to a level that I think we need to scale back from. I think that it's possible for violence to be, uh, to, to happen on stage without showing it. I, I definitely think theatre makers are questioning themselves nowadays in that sense. Um, and I, that is something that definitely stood out to me, especially because I think as an, when an audience is watching it, you sometimes wonder when they laugh at violence. That, didn't that strike you as weird? Because the yeah. one thing that struck me with this being a recording, so there's an actual audience in the, in the space, yeah. and there are moments that are really tough, not the violence as well as verbal um, you know, assaults on people, and the audience laughs, and I suddenly felt really uncomfortable because I was thinking... Did I laugh when I was there? Like, what? Why are they? And and sometimes it has to do with also the spatial thing. Maybe it's an uncomfortable laughter, or maybe they are reacting to how the actors are moving around, and and you know, there's there is a discomfort to a lot of this. But you're right. The the laughing really made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, because I think there was. I, I wrote down this line. There is a line that one of the characters says where uh, they're talking about their uncle, and they said, "Daytime the person's a police, at night they're a rapist." And the audience laughed. And I just remember thinking, considering the sequence of events, I feel like this person is telling us some very, very real trauma and some very, very real pain. And because this character has become a bit of a joke throughout, um, the, violent, uh, the, the trauma is not being heard. The trauma is, is sort of like swept aside and laughed at. And that, that genuinely made me uncomfortable because I was like, don't think that's fair to this character or or what this person is saying of like i guess very real um family sexual violence you know and and that's i think for me what makes aircon and the writing and the way it's directed interesting in many ways because i do recognize though that this is how young people might express trauma in this jokey like oh it's no big deal uh, where else they're actually talking about 
very deep and difficult things. So I think the I, I cannot put my finger on whether the play actually nails it and the audience's reaction is a discomfort and a realization that I'm laughing but I'm actually not supposed to. Um or whether we've changed and perhaps an audience today wouldn't rec- wouldn't react that way. Um, so it's interesting watching it as a video uh, for many reasons because I'm I'm wondering how much we've changed as an audience as well. Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm so on that note of like, Shamila, as someone who's seen it, the original and now this time, I'm curious whether some of the things that stood out to you last time, did they still stand out this time or did new things stand out for you? So the main thing is, of course, there are reveals that the first time around, um, you know, I wasn't aware of. That shaped my entire feel and, and you know, the shock and, and, oh my God, like, oh, that's what's happening. Where else now I knew what the reveal was going to be. So I think I, I was noticing other things. So this time around, I think that might be why I focused so much more on how these boys talk to each other, um, how they talk about themselves and all of these little nuances, which uh, the first time around um, I may have perhaps not known uh, as important until the end. Because sometimes it's one of those things where you know the ending, so you want to go back and see the threads that led there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, this was an extremely fulfilling rewatch. And, and if they restage it, uh, of course, it, it wouldn't likely be with the same cast, which would be a pity because it's a great cast. But if they restaged Akon, I would 100% watch it live again. Um, but even watching it as a recording was a really fulfilling experience. Um, and, and I wanted to ask whether it's something that you would recommend. Yes, yes. I I 100% recommend that people should watch it and should check it out. I I will say um, I had friends who had sort of cautioned me about the violence that I would see. Um, And I think that's an important caveat because I know that the play does have a content warning. But, you know, I think we've gotten to a stage as as people and audiences with content warnings. They were like, Allah, nothing. Um, I will say the content warning for violence is real. Uh, it is very stark. I, I I got very emotional watching it. And I think as long as you're able to have spaces to maybe talk about it afterwards and that you are in an okay space to handle it, I think the, the heart of the play um, and the world that these boys live in will sweep you in and you should check it out. Thank you for reviewing this with me, Dinesha. Thank you. We've been reviewing Aircon. Um, it was a play that was originally staged back in 2008 by Instant Cafe Theatre. And they're now releasing the archival recording for a special screening from the 24th to the 26th of September. You can buy tickets for that at cloudtheatre.com. Uh, they're also doing a whole series of talks and events around the play, uh, online conversations. For more information on that, you can check out uh, Instant Cafe Theatre's social media accounts. Let us know, did you watch Aircon the first time it's staged? Are you planning to catch it this time around. You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Everyone's a critic. Jolly presented with Chendale. For updates on Malaysian arts and culture, visit www.baskl.com.my. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.